And so, with the cup held high, me the leave Croke Park, All-Ireland football champions for 1949. Oh, beautiful me, you got all that I need. Dimsey hits Davin Fee. Anthony Finnerty comes in and gives him a touch of the elbow. Colin Coyle hitting Finnerty. This is Colm's first punch. Finity delayed reaction, looks around, sees Martin O'Connell coming in and thinks that the best action is to go down. What a set of matches we've had. Four terrific and memorable games. Final score meets 2-10. Dublin, 15. So Joe McDonough, GA president, presents Sam McGuire to Graham Garrity and meet of the football champions. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the We Are Mead podcast. And uh, I suppose we're back to a full house. The last uh, podcast that we did, myself and David Rispin had uh, got a babysitter in to mind the two boys, but uh, no chance of getting a babysitter this week. And we're delighted to have Kieran Flynn and Brian Kelly back with us this la- this week, lads. Good fair play to for making it. Oh, we just about got home from Ennis in time. <laughs> I was angling for another night in the hotel, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd say it would have been a great spot to stay in, uh, judging by the, the celebrations that would have been taking place after that result on the weekend. Although, we'll come back to that later on. Me, they're not qualified for Division 1 yet, but they've one foot in uh, the door, I suppose. Uh, David Rusman, you travelled down as well, um, and you yeah. made it back in one piece. Yeah, I made a weekend of it. I went down Friday night. We had a challenge match. I landed down there at about one o'clock. So I wasn't too bothered about the game being put off Saturday. It just meant more time <laughs> in the pub for us. But uh, I was there on Sunday, and I came home Sunday night, thankfully, in one piece. Yeah, yeah everybody made it back in one piece. Thanks be to God. So on this week's podcast, we're going to run through uh, some results from uh, the ladies' football. Uh, the minors and the seniors were out. We have a few club results in uh, football and hurling. And obviously, we will be going on then to the main event where uh, Mead were taking on Clare, as we said, down in Ennis, and we will be doing our usual um, uh, spot on the podcast where we'll be giving the players their ratings from the game on the weekend. So I suppose we'll start off with the ladies' football, and uh, in the Leinster Minor Championship, the Mead girls were taking on Offaly, and they came away with a huge win here, seven goals and 16 points to Offaly's nine points, and that sees them through to a Leinster A final, uh, where they'll be taking on Kildare, and I think that's going to take place on Monday the 6th of May and in the ladies little national football league division 3 the senior ladies uh, taking on Kildare a 112 to 111 victory um, for Mead in that game but I suppose Brian Kelly we'll go to you the thing about that doesn't tell the story really there were 6 points down with 10 minutes to go and with the last kick of the game they took the lead for the first time in the game I'm not sure there's no better time to go in front like the only post you want to be ahead of us at, at the winning post. Yeah. Just look at Cheltenham last week. Um, you wouldn't know anything about being there then. <laughs> <laughs> the winning post. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't the worst of weeks, Davey. Uh, Speak for yourself. <laughs> I am. No, um, I think the story of the game really was the display of Monica McGurkin goals. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just looking at some of the video clips online that the Kildare uh, men's uh, county board put up. If it wasn't just as you mentioned that, yeah, Shane Mangan. If anybody wants to see um, uh, the 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 uh, I suppose the highlights of of Monica McGurk's uh, goalkeeping exploits, um, go to Shane Mangan 
uh, at Shane underscore Mangan on um, Twitter and you'll find it absolutely incredible. You were just about to describe them there, Brian. She pulled off, I'd say, at least five world-class saves. Like Any goalie would be very proud of them in the Premiership or in any world competition. Like One-on-one, defenders well-beaten, forwards bearing down on goal, and she just, whatever it took, she's kept that ball out. Cat-like agility, like just outstanding. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. And I suppose um, <clears throat> a word then for uh, Stacey Grimes, who... Went through with the last kick of the game, um, kicked the ball over the bar, but the referee had blown for a free, brought her back for the free. She kicked the free then um, to put me ahead for the first time in the game. And uh, it was her free-taking ability in the last 10 minutes. With 10 minutes to go, Mead were six points down. And her freeze kept Mead in it. And then a Kelsey Nesbitt goal brought them level before Stacey's kicked that wonder free at the end. Well, Stacey's probably a bit unlucky in that she's operating in Division 3 in an intermediate championship because she doesn't get the national recognition she deserves. She's really one of the best footballers in the country. Yeah. Whether it's from play, from freeze, she's just lethal. She can run from deep, she can carry the ball, she can finish, she can link up with teammates. Like She got a, right, she got a higher education award last week playing with Dundalk College. She got player of the match in their Minehan Cup final a few weeks ago as well. Whatever game Stacey plays in she's generally the best player on the pitch and that's no disrespect to anybody else she's just at that level she came on the scene at club level probably age 15 winning senior championships and she's just developed from there and she's worked 7 or 8 points at least a game for for any team yeah a great display from herself but as you said Monica McGurkin goals was absolutely incredible as well and Kelsey Nesbitt and I suppose it was a game that Mead probably thought that they were going to win easy enough considering that Kildare I think were third from bottom before that game or maybe even second from bottom and Mead were topping that group with four wins from four but they ground out the result that's five wins from five it does see them through now they're guaranteed a semi-final spot in uh, that uh, National Football League Division 3 the Little National Football League Division 3 and um, like we spoke about this in a couple of podcasts they really are this main team is really too good for that division but that is something that result against Kildare on the weekend that should be a wake up call because in ladies football you know things like that can happen and they could go through to a semi-final and be pipped by a team that they wouldn't have expected to be losing yeah, they got to the final last year yeah. and were beaten in the final like sometimes I think unfortunately for them like they got things a little bit too easy in some of the games and it can be very hard to keep your focus 100% when you're winning games by 15-20 points like the game in Navid against Offaly there was only one team in it mm-hmm. they wiped the floor with Offaly so Sunday sorry Saturday could be a real Wake up call for some of them. They'll get a bit of a rollicking, maybe a training early this week. And I'd say anyone who comes to Navan on Sunday, they'll see a mid team that'll go from 100 mile an hour from the start. They're guaranteed a semi final spot. Unfortunately, the way the ladies operate, they don't seem to be guaranteed a home semi final. Because going by the league last year, the semi finals are played at neutral venues. So it would be lovely when you're 5 from 5 to be thinking, right, we've a home semi final guaranteed. That doesn't seem to be the case, but I think that'll only motivate them even further to go and push on and get into that final in, I think, on the Maybank Hall the weekend as well. And just and you're, you're, you're get that promotion. You're mentioning uh, next Sunday, um, 12 pm in Park Tolchin. 12 pm in Park Tolchin against Wicklow. And they owe Wicklow a beating. Yeah, Wicklow are second in that uh, division. And 
Wicklow shocked them in the first in the Leinster quarter final last year below That's in right, Wicklow. Yeah. So Mead won't be lacking motivation on Sunday. They're going to be going out. They'll see those blue jerseys and they'll say we want revenge. Yeah. And I think there's no better team on Sunday. They will get revenge and get in and support them. I know there's A leagues at half ten. You might miss the start of the game. But get in during the match. Get behind them. They're a team worth following. They're a team worth backing. They're a team who will win the National League. I've no doubts about that. And will go close to the Intermediate Championship again. Well, they have a few games ahead of them before they, they can few, win that National League. They have a few games ahead, but it's, it's a, get, on, get on the you bus. You don't want to get too cocky no, about get it. Get on the, the bus. It's a bus worth travelling on. And there'll be success at the end of it. Absolutely. Here to hear first, guaranteed. (laughs) (laughs) Kieran Flynn just coming in there with his tuppence. Um, I suppose, yeah, we wish them the best luck. And that is part of a double header in Park Dolchin on Sunday. We'll come back to that in a minute. Um, You did mention the fact that there is A-Leagues. There was a few people on social media asking questions about that as well. We're going to move on now to uh, the uh, club results. The hurling and the football results from uh, the last number of days. There isn't a whole pile of results, but Kieran Flynn, you're the man with all the info on these games. Yeah, since this time last week when the two boys were given the preview for the game, we've only had three football matches in the A-League and four from the hurling league. So in the A-League Division 3, Castletown 2-12, along with eight points. You had St Ultans of Bohermine, 4-15 to Minolte, 1-12. And you had Clemaine and Wood, 3.15 to St Bridget's, 1.11. What's the St Dalton's Courtown Gales, no? No, it's just both me at the moment, pending review, I think it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, yeah, so three good games are in the A-League probably to start off with. So Castleton got a big win, St Dalton's big win. And even Clemaine and Wood, there was three big wins there. Yeah, Castleton flying at the moment, David. Yeah, going really well. And I think that was a midweek game last week. I think there was a good tweet put up by Aaron Ennis. Um, I think I think oh, yeah, that was brilliant. Um, yeah. brilliant and he had a few choice words with the full back from Castleton <laughs> who won't be named for legal reasons but, uh, we won't mention him but we'll do, we will say what, what he said he, he came running out the field and he went straight up to Ennis yeah. and he says you're a joke of a senior team yeah. and Ennis turned around and he thought about it for a second he went hmm senior team that's yeah. got a nice ring to yeah, it yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a brilliant it's, it's, it's a brilliant tweet and like in fairness Aaron's that kind of chap but the Longwood lads in general would be they'd take the beatings on the chin and they'd actually try and make a bit of a, a laugh a joke if they could at yeah. all um, and I suppose the irony is they are, they are a senior team at the end of the day they might have been bet but they're, they're the ones going to be playing senior championship this year yeah and they're still obviously delighted about the fact that they are <laughs> playing a senior championship this year Kieran a few more results in the small ball yeah so unfortunately the, a lot of the hurling games were postponed at the weekend there was only one game from division 1 one game from division 2 that survived in the division 1 Kildaki travelled over to Clemesson and won 114 to 12 points in the division 2 Navon Matinee's bet Dumri 115 to 11 and then in Division 3, Gail Colum Kale, that's their first team, played Kildaki's second team, bet them 213 to 112. And Dunham Ashburn and Rotot through 310 to 213. So there's a few hurling matches, but uh, the majority does, was postponed. And what does that all mean in the grand scheme of hurling? It just means that there's going to be a hell of a lot of games to be replayed and Jimmy Henry be pulling his hair out. So, because you know yourself, a more weekend go. Where did those results leave uh, the league? What does it, the league well, see, there's only been, that's the third game played yeah. by those, so the other team only in two. So last time we checked it, they were nearly all even. There was only six teams joined second place. So it looks like there's going to be a lot of refixtures during the week. So, But it's, it's just hard to play Hurling maybe in March. I think that's part of the whole review with the fixtures and all this year. There's 
we probably wouldn't be playing hurling this early in the year. It's a, it's a delicate game played with finesse. And a bit of flaking too, don't worry. <laughs> it's a delicate game played with finesse and a bit of flaking. There's I love the flaking. A delicate game in Kildarki. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, yeah, if you saw up online, there was a bit of highlights on the game with Clemens and Kildarki and Nicky Potterton has been a great underage hurler for Mead. He's got Absolutely some great, brilliant, yeah, yeah. yeah. And what mind if you? I know a few of my mates there for Clemens were definitely trying to flake him. He just couldn't. <laughs> they I think, couldn't get close enough no, to flake he, him for the goal. He, he passed over to Duxy Dorn and he got a bit of a, a bit of a flake. A little bit of a flake. But then Duxy buried in the net, so yeah. he took it for the team, which is always good. I was watching that goal and, and uh, great strike by Duxy, but the goalkeeper just kind of. Like through his arse, he was like, oh, for heaven's sakes, I'm not going to save that." Duxy scored at least. He's probably he's one that was a bullet. Most prolific scores in the senior hurling championship, so he knew well that was going in the net. I'd say, yeah. Even though Duxy hit straight at him, he probably didn't hit him probably with the slippers. <laughs> Get the goal and injure a player in the, in doing so. I like the way he's thinking, but uh, that's uh, the club results from the weekend. Um, just before we move on, I'm just going to check. There was a couple of things on social media that we just wanted to... Uh, we've already mentioned Shane Mangan. We want to give a shout out to um, uh, the GAA League Tables. Um, uh, at GAA League Tables. Absolutely brilliant. We'll come back to them as well in a couple of minutes. Um, he's just... Everybody is asking him questions about the permutations and combinations in Division 2. And he's just like, leave me alone. He's a wreck in my head. But uh, absolutely brilliant. Uh, question for the lads uh, from the social media. Um, uh, from Brian Hurley. Hi, what's the story for getting a refund? Uh, the game was rescheduled for the next day, making it impossible to post back prior to the game being played and difficult to get uh, brought back to the store in that time frame as well. He's obviously talking about the meet game against Clare that was postponed on Saturday um, and he wasn't able to make it. So, Kieran Flynn, you'd be the man that would have the information on that. Yeah, so we got direction from uh, Emma Tormey. She's actually a niece of uh, former county chairman Connor Tormey. She's the head of ticketing in Crow Park. Very efficient worker up there. But basically, she sent us a, a blurb which we put up on our social media about returning tickets. So, if there's any issue there, you can contact the ticketing department directly in Crow Park or you can contact tickets.e directly. And all their details are up online. There's phone numbers and email addresses for them. So because it's a Crow Park fixture, you have to contact them directly. So Because that's all we'd be able to do. If we rang them, they'd tell us we need to talk to the ticket purchaser and their personal details. So we can't help really that much, unfortunately. We can just liaise to get you up there to Crow Park. Cool. So the, you're asking them to ring directly brilliant no problem at all so now lads it's time to move on to the main event uh, obviously the Allianz Football League Division 2 where Mead were taking on Clare in Ennis on the weekend and as we said uh, the game was postponed on Saturday um, and it was moved until the Sunday a lot of supporters were making their way down and it was the night before Paddy's uh, day and like the game was being played on the Saturday and then the, the it was moved to the Sunday, which was Paddy's Day, and people were trying to get hotels. Everybody got looked after. The the, the team itself got looked after by the Radisson, uh, brilliantly getting 25 rooms. People stayed down. Like, obviously, some people weren't able to make it back. There was a lot of disgruntled uh, supporters as well, and understandably, but, you know, they were saying, like, the question was, why could... Uh, go to you, David. We're asking why, because you're a supporter and you you would have heard, uh, you would have had the ear on the ground. A lot of them saying like, why couldn't they the Clare County Board have let everybody know earlier in the morning? But the thing is, is that the Clare County Board don't make that call. No, uh, well, 
I don't know who who exactly makes the call or, or whatever. It has to be the referee. Yeah, but it, it was it has to be neutral. I suppose the timing the timing of it is is probably the frustrating thing for the fans. I mean, I remember getting up myself around I think it was half nine ten o'clock, and at that stage all the talk was you know the game was being moved to Milltown Malbay and um was the game on was the game off and at this stage you know people were well on the road some people I was talking to were in Clane some people kept going they, they, they stayed for the night some people had to go home and, and come again so you can understand the frustrations from the supporters especially when you look at the pitch um, Sunday like it, it, the, the surface was absolutely fine the lads the lads will tell you they were the ones out on the pitch um, now there was you know there was a picture in the rounds behind the terrace of like it, it nearly looked like a canal behind the terrace mm-hmm. with, with water but that didn't that didn't stop people you know from actually standing on the terrace or anything like that so I doubt that was the reason you know Andy I think himself was a little bit frustrated he didn't want to get drawn into it understandably so because Mead actually got the win so you know in the end it was relevant but it was frustrating for supporters but I suppose the, be- the best thing about it was it didn't stop the supporters doing the exact same thing the next morning yeah. you know on Patrick's Day as, as you said it's a, it's a real family day and that and you know some people would have went with their families others wouldn't and uh, it was it was brilliant to see such a such a large mean crowd down there yeah, you know, Matt, sa- Saturday, and, and Saturday and Sunday oh, completely outnumbered the Clare supporters the, the, the official attendance was just over 1400 and uh, I, you know I wouldn't be good at guessing crowds but there's <laughs> <laughs> an out to Ted, yeah. <laughs> but uh, there was there was definitely about a thousand Mead fans. They completely outnumbered the their Clare which, which was brilliant. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. I suppose we go over to the lads, like you know, uh, like the frustrations of the supporters. Um, it's it's not something for the Clare County Board to decide is to go in and look at their pitch because that means that it's you know that leaves you know uh, that rule open to be misused by by counties and stuff so it has to be a neutral who has to go in and inspect that pitch but that can't be done too early at the same time it's just um, i think myself it's just unfortunate it's a real unfortunate uh, thing but it happens year in year out in in the ga no the main difficulty they actually had was to have a sluice gate for relieving the water and it got stuck and they didn't get that released until about one o'clock had they got that released around 10 o'clock, the pitch would have been fine. And back, actually, the pitch back in the 70s, there's a river runs near enough to the pitch. And when the river floods, the pitch used to flood. Mm-hmm. So in the 70s, they actually raised the level of the pitch by three feet to alleviate that issue. So the problem on Saturday was that they couldn't release the sluice gate in time early in the day because it got stuck which meant that the pitch was actually, they couldn't release the water from the pitch. Yeah, yeah. And they were trying to pump the water away, but couldn't get it pumped away quicker than it was falling. Yeah. So, so look, the, 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 it, was, it was very, as I said, it was very unfortunate. It was, a, it was torrential rain. It was all over the country. And, you know, at the end of the day, the supporters were the ones who, who, who were put out, I suppose, by it. But there was nothing that could be done. No. In the end, anyway, the game got postponed. It was played on Paddy's Day. Mead come away with a victory, one twelve to seven point one one twelve to one seven, but Kieran, I suppose, at half time, having played with the wind, um, and the injuries that Mead took in the first half, were Mead supporters maybe thinking, God, we're going to make this hard for ourselves? Absolutely, like it, it wasn't an ideal situation to be in, and and at that stage as well, there was three minutes remaining. On Shane Gallagher's black card. Yeah. So we were coming out in the second half with fourteen men for the at least three minutes. So straight away that that sets you up in a negative starting point. But in fairness to the the mid players, like 
adversity is now welcome nearly by the players that yeah, they absolutely. actually can come and overcome it. Like we all know, we've been following me a long time now at this stage in our lives, and in the past when we got adversity, we kind of curled up and we didn't really take it as good as we should have. And now the lads are really stepping up. The recent the past, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, the last ten years, unfortunately, maybe. I mean, that might be a harsh thing to say, but evidence is kind of suggests it. So, but now the evidence is saying that now when we were in trouble, we change the team, we bring in subs, and the backs we liven the it walls, up, yeah, and we just come out swinging and we we won like you know simple yeah. as that. And that's all. Al Davis and the Oakland Raiders used to have a great saying: "Just win, baby." That's all. <laughs> used to say. That's and all that's you need. A, and that's what they did. But I suppose uh, it was mentioned a few weeks ago, David. Um, we have our meadness back, you know, and and I and I like that because it's you know mead were always known for their never say die attitude. Um, the game is not over till the final whistle. When a team comes back at you, you come back at them harder. And as Kieran said, maybe in the last number of years, we've kind of lost our way with that, mm. but it's back in abundance. And they really came out fighting in the second half against the wind. Now they were misfiring for a little while early in that second half. But once Graham Riley got that goal, there was no looking back, and then they just seemed to get a boost. They had maybe two or three half goal chances just before that, mm. but to get that goal and to keep going for it and make sure that they got that goal, that just shows you a resilience that you know really is back in this team. Yeah, I was just thinking on you know driving over tonight about that and about when when Biggie got the goal and how kind of comfortable it felt. Like we weren't home and hose by any means there was still a long way to go there was mm-hmm. probably 20 plus minutes to go against that strong breeze we were only 4 or 5 points up but it was the way I think we, we controlled the game from there on in and, and held the ball and actually you know dominated possession and let Clare chase us for a change first half it wasn't it wasn't like that um, we were a bit flat let's be honest about it we we struggled to kind of you know, Claire were well up for it and we, we struggled and, you know, something might have had to do with, with the fixture change as that's well. I was just going to say the postponement of the yeah, game. And, and, and that's natural. Yeah. Um, But, uh, you know, we, we, we made the changes. Some were in force. Shane McEntee had to come off in midfield. Um, Ethan Devine went midfield. You know, Brian said off here. He was, he was having a fine game wing forward and it didn't just happen from midfield. Adam Flanagan kind of came in from the cold. It was only his second appearance, but his first one was kind of a, a brief cameo in Cork. And there was a big call to make at that stage because Clare were really on top, particularly in midfield. And it wasn't just they were catching clean ball, they were winning everything, mm-hmm. you know, breaking ball as well. And Flanagan came on, and in, one, in fairness to Flanagan, um, might not be the most naturally gifted footballer in the county, but he, he's a great pair of hands on him. And he started getting his hand on ball and kind of stemming the tide towards the end of the first half when, when Meade really needed to, you know, settle down, especially after the black card to Shane Gallagher. And from there on in, we actually took control and, and we started winning more breaking ball. James McAdee came into his own. Killian O'Sullivan, who I actually thought had a relatively quiet first half, was like unbelievable in the second half. Yeah. And uh, and Donald Kogan just seemed to be yeah. a ma- magnet for the ball. Yeah, as so usual. He just, in the second half, it was just, he was on the ball all the time. Yeah, and, and you, you mentioned as well to, uh, Thomas O'Reilly as well. Yeah. Coming out the field and, and like Brian McMahon, I thought, you know, had a bit of an off day too. But Thomas O'Reilly, who had an off day the last day, you know, by his high standards, um, was exceptional. Really, really good on the ball. So kind of calm. Reminds me a bit of Mickey Newman when he gets on the ball. He, he seems to bring others into play and he's so comfortable on it. Even, you know, if, if he's in trouble, he'll, he'll jink back or take a dummy solo or, you know, he's just naturally gifted on the ball. And, and that kind of, that, that, 
you know, transfers to the rest of the lads. But the, the key thing, you know, for me again was Biggie Riley coming on. Mm-hmm. That seemed to just, you know, spark me into life. He ma- he straight away was involved and he he made a run. Didn't get a score off it right and nailed his man. I thought he got a yellow card for it. I thought it was harsh enough, but that seemed to spark the supporters and the meat players into life. He elbowed him square in the side of the head. Like, just don't gather, he might get okay to right. Once he got booked, he's okay. Yeah, yeah, so we can talk about it now. He got he nailed him with an elbow. Oh, it was unreal, class. But 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 that was that, that was the that was the catalyst. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. and and it needed that because it was flat up to that. And then shortly after, I mean, the, the, the goal, the, I mean, the move, he started it, and it was a fantastic move. Just, before, just, before, had, yeah. just before they got the goal, mm. he was involved in the other previous moves that nearly ended up in yeah, goals yeah, as yeah. well. Like So he was... I'm going to go to you, Brian Kelly, yeah. now. This this thing is about Biggie. It's sparking huge debate um, on social media. Deck Dunn and um, uh, Goffey and uh, Mags Guinan, every one of them are all saying how, how uh, you know, Biggie, he's due a start. But I, 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 I'm still not in that camp because if you, you, if you need a player to make an impact in the second half, He's done it every time he's come on uh, this year. And Mead are finishing way stronger than than the teams that they're up against. And and Biggie is a huge part of that. And I I am a firm believer in you, what you just said a few minutes ago as well, um, when we were talking about the ladies, you were saying you have to you want to be ahead at the finishing post. You know, there's no point in Mead playing brilliant and Biggie playing brilliant in the first half and we go out and we're nine or ten points up. For instance, against Calvin two years ago, and the next thing is you you fade, and you end up losing that game. But you played brilliant for forty five minutes. We want to finish those games strong and get the wins. And I, I'm a firm believer that Biggie is that impact sub. Yeah, well, when it comes to the closing stages, you want somebody in the pitch with a cool head. You want an experienced player coming in and not tired, not full fresh. of energy. Yeah, like if you're tired, you tend to make a, the wrong decision. When you're fresh, you're thinking straight, everything is, you're nearly in slow motion. Mm-hmm. When everybody else is panicking, you're in slow motion and you're focused. Like, look at all the best teams. Limerick won the Harland Championship last year. They had Shane Dowling coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. Brilliant hurler. Like, he'd be a starter on most teams, but the impact he had coming off the bench was huge. Massive. Look at Dublin over the last number of years. Now, we don't like harping back to Dublin, but Kevin McManaman is always a huge impact player. Yeah. Like they can always rely on him to make an impact. Karma Costello the same. Yeah. Like Graham Riley. I'm sure there's nobody in the county who wants Graham Riley to start in games more often than Graham Riley. But he's making an impact off the bench. And Do you know, yeah, funny you say that, actually. Um, <laughs> no, you know, it's, it's very relevant. No, just to pick up on the pr- point Brian made, Simonstown pr- proud themselves on winning two championship, championships in a similar vein. Did, did Sean Tobin actually didn't start the game, but, but came on towards came on, the back end of the year and made the a huge impact. Massive. You know, and single-handedly turned the tide. Yeah. And he was the sub that took away from the other subs. Summerhill, <laughs> Summerhill, got to the, Summerhill got to the county final last year. And they had two subs on the bench who came on and made huge impacts. They had Ross Ryan and Ronan Ryan come on in games. And look at Ronan Ryan this year with, with the county. Flying. Like, having fresh bodies like that to come on near the end is huge. Uh, that's, that's my and point. That, and that's and something maybe when, Mead look, when supporters and Mead look back at the team three or four years ago, 
and to say we second half fade outs does a qualifier up in Derry where we were cruising at half time and we lost we didn't have a player on the bench maybe that day like Graham Riley to come on and steady the ship the the only thing I'd say just on that though try and put yourself in in Graham Riley's shoes right you know he's doing all he can Mm -hmm. to get a start for me right it's it's all well and good us saying that he's making a huge impact, which he is off the bench, and it's great to have him coming off the bench and all. But for him, he must feel, my God, like what more do I have to do to get a start? Yeah, but if you're it, it, see, that's the thing. If you're doing it for the team and the better of the team, mm. and and you see the results of it, he can see now. Okay, like meter on the verge of promotion. And it's all because I'm finishing games strong for Mead. And obviously the other players too, don't get me wrong. But he's, but he's having a massive impact on it. Yeah. So, you know, you start to see the, the bigger picture and the, the betterment of your team. And, you know, it's given um, Andy McIntyre an absolute nightmare, I'd say, picking that team. And I suppose that's a seamless link in. You did an interview with Andy McIntyre after the game, David, and we're going to go straight to that now. A very, um, I suppose, happy uh, uh, Andy McIntyre and um, probably disappointed that the game had to be rescheduled. But here he is talking to David Risman. I'm delighted to be joined by media manager Andy McIntyre after a grueling. Uh, weekend, I suppose, in Clare, but Andy, a satisfactory result at the end of the day? Oh, very satisfactory. I think, I think if you offered that to anybody at the start of the weekend, we'd, we'd, we'd jump at it. So, uh, certainly at half-time, we'd jump at it. It didn't, it didn't look great in the first half. We didn't, we didn't perform like we'd like to perform, but I thought uh, the lads deserve huge credit for the way they turned around in the second half. Mm. And as you said, like things didn't go our way, particularly in the first half, maybe started the second half as well with a couple of black cards, some... I suppose choice or questionable refereeing decisions um, didn't help your probably mood and frustrations in that time. But as you said, full credit to the lads. They got on with it, you know, dug in and, and dug out the result in the end, which was great to see. Yeah, yeah, a little bit frustrating. I mean, there has to be, I mean, the, the level of inconsistency for fouls is, is probably frustrating for players and for management alike. So, I mean, uh, that's, that's some, I guess that's something that we have to learn to deal with. Uh, but uh, the lads really, you know, in, in those two periods uh, where we were man down, the lads really dug in, and, and mm. I think we won both periods on the scoreboard as well, yeah, so. which is brilliant. Yeah. And I suppose that the weekend as a whole, it's been difficult, probably frustrating for yourselves. You've had to chop and change between hotels and everything. It's been it's been mad, and I mean, looking out on the pitch today, it, it, it doesn't seem too bad. Um, yeah. It was probably it was probably frustrating in the sense that you know you probably were all prepped to play the game yesterday, and then it was called off, and then changed the plans and everything. Did it affect preparations in any way? Oh, it's hard to know. You, you, I mean, there's got to be a chance that it affected maybe our first half performance. It took us a while to get into it. But uh, look, at these things are out of our control. Mm. Uh, I, I, say I spoke to I spoke to Colin Collins there, and he uh, he said that I mean the pitch is always great here. It's just that if the water comes down that the rain comes down that quickly, you don't get a chance for to to, to run away. And that mm. there was there was surface water on it, and uh, that's there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah, and I suppose just in terms of the two games that were played yesterday, I suppose it might have worked into your favour a little bit seeing the results yesterday and, and kind of knowing that a result today was going to be extra significant as opposed to maybe playing the game yesterday and not knowing what was going on elsewhere with Armagh um, beating Fermanagh. Yeah, well, I suppose the, the, look at the games elsewhere are out of our control. It's it's nice to know the results of some of them, mm. you know. But that's that's about it. We got to, we got to focus on what we're trying to do here. Uh, yesterday, today, tomorrow. You know, we had to play the game and uh, we had to get the result. And 
I'm more than happy to, to walk away with two points. And then just looking ahead, I suppose, next weekend, it's, it's, it's you know teed up to be an absolutely massive day in Navan for, for me and for the supporters and everyone. For Manda coming to town with promotion aspirations of their own. Sure. But uh, they need a result now because, you know, Kildare and Donegal are going head-to-head up in, uh, up in Bally Buffet, so something has to give. Yeah, well, my read of it is uh, if we win... It's all we draw when it's it's all it's all put to bed for from our point of view and uh, whatever happens elsewhere I don't really care. Yeah, <laughs> to be perfectly absolutely. honest, uh, we just need to get uh, another performance together and get get something out of the game. And and a word for the Mead fans. I, there was there was I think fourteen or fifteen hundred here today, and I'd imagine it made that number clear three to one. Mm. An incredible effort. I mean, yesterday and today for them coming halfway. Some people coming the full way yesterday, staying the night before and stuff. You know, they're a great bunch. Yeah, fantastic support from everybody. Uh, there was there was a McEntee uh, stag <laughs> down here, which, which, which brought a few, <laughs> few extra people maybe along. But look, at it was uh, you know it's, it's great the, the the reaction and the and the interaction between the the players and and the fans is starting to starting mm. to grow and and it's a little bit more palpable all the, all the time. So. We'd, we'd encourage as many uh, as many Mead supporters uh, to get out there and, and support the team next week. I think it's, it's really important to us. And I suppose that's just it. Uh, finally, your call to action. The last day worked, and there was an absolutely huge crowd in, in Navan for Kildare. You'll, you'll want more of the same next Sunday, I presume. Oh, absolutely more of the same. I'd like to see twice as many people there. Yeah. So anybody who's half interested, I'd encourage you to come along. Absolutely. Brilliant, Andy. Congratulations. Thank, Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Cheers. So... David, that was Andy speaking to yourself after the game. You can hear from Andy there, you know, um, delighted with the result, delighted with the second half performance. He, you know, looked at the first half and he, he himself kind of says, OK, it could be to do with the postponement, it could be to do with the the altercation or the, uh, the alteration of their plans and the whole lot. Um, there was no altercation. Um, uh, unless Brian Kelly and, and Kieran can... can uh, Cap and feet for the two boys in the room. <laughs> maybe, uh. But you can hear from Andy, you know, that he's he's delighted with the result, but obviously knows that um, it was it was down to the second half performance. Yeah, he, I suppose relief would be the, the overriding probably emotion that I got from him. Um, but he was thrilled. Look, at it, it, was, um, it was a great win in the end. And like... Previous to this year, me they've notoriously struggled on the road in in the league. It's been yeah. really tough, no matter where we've gone and no matter how well we've been actually doing going into games. And that's something that, you know, it, there's a lot to be said for home advantage in the league. Um, you have to remember, Clare Clare are a very hard team to kind of judge, but they're at the on on their home patch they can be so dangerous. They should have probably got a result against Donegal on the first day as well. Yeah. they've struggled a little bit since and lost their way, but when they got on top, it would have been. Very easy for me to lay down and Claire to push on. But me me kept breaking the secrets. I mean, Dara Campion, who we've talked about, his his wand of a right boot. There was another unbelievable score from under the stand with the outside of his boot. And I noticed in the programme notes he did a QA and um he was asked about, you know, different things. But one thing that cropped up and it was a reoccurring team was was Tinder. And I'd like <laughs> to hope that he's after spending a weekend in Ennis. You know, he's after kicking a wonderful score like that with the outside of his right boot. Hopefully... Somebody swipe right? A few people, I was going to say. Hopefully his Tinder, his matches have gone up quite significantly as a result of that episode. Please, God, anyway. Well, let's just say he swiped right 
across that ball <laughs> and stuck it over the bar. But we're just going to, just you mentioned that, I just happen to have the programme here. And uh, we'll just run through the player profile for, for, for Daryl Campion. His age is 20, uh, his height is 6 foot, his weight is 80 kilograms. Uh, hold on now, that's a ropey 6 foot. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's, a, that's what it says on his dinner programme. He got the most so. slagging for that one, so he did. That, that might be 6 foot in heels. <laughs> on Tinder. Um, so his club screen, obviously, his occupation is uh, he's a student. Um, biggest influence on his career is Owen Mulligan. His uh, father, his grandfather, was from Tyrone, so I'd say that that's where the link is coming from. The one thing that inspires uh, him most about being involved in the GAA is his family and their support, which is lovely. Uh, the last book he read was Sean Cavanagh's autobiography. His favorite food is curry. Now we're getting down to the interesting things. Uh, if he won the lotto, he would. He'd buy Tinder and match everyone with him. And build a house on the hill of Tara. Like, you know, it doesn't get better than that. Getting swiped right on and living on the hill of Tara. Good and idea. If you're having, to, ma- get if you're having to match everyone with yourself, that's not a good sign. Well, you pay them to. If, you've got, if you win the lottery, you, you, you wouldn't need to. Or win the All-Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> One thing you may not know about him is that he played for Simonstown and Kiltail. I didn't know he played for Kiltail. I knew he played for Simonstown. Uh, in 10 years' time, he hopes to be no longer on Tinder. <laughs> and uh, Dara, we hope you are not on Tinder in 10 years' time as well. We'd just like to wish you the best of luck on that one. Um, player from another county, he'd like to transfer into the county, and that'd be Michael Murphy. I think we'd all agree that'd be a fine transfer to come through. The worst thing about uh, inter-county training is John's runs. Um, I believe the strength and conditioning coaches... Uh, uh, his runs are quite strenuous. Yeah, John Coughlin, yeah. Yeah, John Coughlin. Uh, the GA is different to other sporting organisations because there's a real sense of community and togetherness, and that's and you know I, I think that was really shown after the game on on Sunday. It's nearly going to say Saturday. Um, there was a little lad from the leak below at the game. And that's he, right. He yeah. In wheelchair. Ian is his name, and every single player came over to say hello to him and to meet him and to get their photograph taken with him. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. There's, there's pictures of that on social media as well. He was at, It made his day and his family were so thrilled that the players went out of their way to see him and to give so much of their time. And I know Mickey Burke gave him a pair of gloves and somebody else came out from the dressing room with a hat for him. And like, it was just lovely to see. Yeah. And it's things like that that create a bigger bond with the supporters. Absolutely, yeah, no problem. We, it was brilliant to see it, and we saw all the pictures on uh, on Facebook and on um, Twitter. And well done to the lads. Um, uh, we'll move on. Um, no, well, well, just just when you're finishing on that, there's three interesting answers in a row there. You better read them out. Yeah, well. the best. Sorry, yeah, the best squad member at training is Donny uh, Kogan. Obviously, uh, you can see. You can see the rewards of that on the field. The worst squad member of training is uh, Jason Scully. Uh, the player who spends the most time in the showers uh, after trainings and matches is Jason Scully. And the worst squad member at dressing, as in the worst dress sense on the team, is Jason Scully. <laughs> and one thing, this is my favourite answer the whole lot, one thing that Dara Campion would change about the GAA is nothing. I love this game. Well done, Dara. And we're delighted to see you wearing that Mead jersey. You've been having a phenomenal year. We hope it continues for you. Um, and uh, 
you know, you even brought a bit of a smile to, to the supporters on your uh, your player profile in the programme on the weekend. Absolutely it'd, brilliant. It'd be nice to see Jason Scully get the right of reply in this week's programme, Kieran. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll let, let them fight out in the training field. We'll, you know, let them, let them go for each other. That'll be a good one. I'd like to see Jason Scully's uh, right to reply. Lads, we're going to move on now. What we're going to do is we're going to rate the players. It's our regular spot on the podcast now. So we're going to go through the team. Um, in goals, Andrew Colgan. Uh, David, how would you rate uh, Andrew's performance on the weekend? Yeah, improving again. Um, very good. Little he could have done with the goal. Uh, kickouts were, were very good, and you know his all round um, ball handling was very good in around the danger area as well. So I, I couldn't not give him. Did he have a one seven. save as well? Did he have one save? I think in the first half. Good question. I think he did have one. It wasn't like spectacular, but it still had to be made. I think. As I said, he's improving. Mm. Brian yeah, Kelly. He, he did actually. He had yeah. one good save. Yeah, yeah. I'd give him an eight. Yeah. Eight is fair, maybe. Oh, I can't argue. Should there are two boys after going eight? His kickouts again, like there was in the first half when we had the wind, he kicked four or five kickouts in quick succession that were excellent. And against the wind in the second half. Now, he didn't have as many kickouts, I don't think, yeah. in the second half, but was very clever on his kickouts and picked out men and went short yeah. and, and stuff. You know, but the first half ones, as I said, the ones in quick succession, they weren't any way like higher than they were like kind of a Pinpoint. like low trajectory yeah, yeah. and they were really just pings. Like, he did, he did actually pick out a few savage balls from yeah. kickouts in the first half, yeah. Now that you say it, yeah, absolutely. Andrew Colgan just going from strength to strength, uh, an eight this week is Seamus Lavin, lads, yeah, superb again. I mean, just consistent, yeah, week after week. What are we looking at? You know, he's yeah. he's 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 been uh, he's at two eights and nine two sevens and you know, he's just Mr. Consistency there. There's uh, in fairness the de- the defence have been very, very consistent and very mean mm. all year. He, Brian, what score would you give him? I'd give him another eight. Seven point nine, yeah, we eight. Yeah. yeah, no problem. That's absolutely brilliant. Um Seamus Lavin with three three eights now and nine and two sevens. And really has set the bar for himself there, you know, like that's that's absolutely fantastic. Conor McGill at full back, lads. Nah, nine, I think. I think that. I think so, yeah. He seemed to be kind of just like anywhere there was any bit of a kind of a, a bit of a pinball or anything, he just seemed to come out with the ball. Like he mm. there was a lot of high balls come in near the end when Claire were kind of just throwing everything at it and he just he mopped them up. Be it even breaking the ball or a clean catch, he was doing everything. There was w- yeah, there was one towards then, I think we were only four up at this at this stage and uh it was a very dangerous ball into the edge of the box and I think himself, Colgan and, and one of the Clare lads went for it and he rose above everyone and got his fist. I think it went out for a 45 or a sideline but he, he is a real leader in that full back line and you know he's so comfortable sort of like Seamus Lavin as well actually carrying the ball out of, out of play. It, it, I won't say the same mould as Donan Kyogen but very similar to him. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the modern day full back. He's the kind of guy you'd absolutely hate to mark yeah. if you're a forward. Brilliant. Brian? Couldn't argue there, I think. And We're going for nine, yeah. Conor McGill's average score is eight uh, per game. Um, he's had four eights, a seven and a nine. And that's that's incredible. If you're getting that consistency from your full back, that, that, I don't know, that's just phenomenal. Ronan Ryan, lads, another really good game for Ronan. What a year. What a debut year. Yeah, go ahead. No, like he's just he's settled into that defence really well whether it's cornerback initially or out to wing back like it doesn't make a difference to his performance I'm not sure which he prefers but like I'd say 
you couldn't argue with another eight, I think. Yeah, no, very, very much so. I think that's the versatility about the guy is, is something that he's never really played at wing back and he was he was a bit, little bit apprehensive going out there in, in terms of, you know, the guys who were playing so well and weren't actually in the team and that and he was worried that a bad performance could actually you know, hinder his chances at keeping his place. But he, he, as you said, he was so good there. And, you know, whether he's a cornerback or wingback, he's, he's Mr. Consistent, really. Kieran, yeah, you agree? Absolutely. He's coming from strength to strength. Like, he's just kind of, uh, he's kind of a bit of an imperious runner. He just kind of, he just, he's, he travels ground very easily. He always uh, tackles his man ferociously, stands him up. Off the ball now, he's possibly a bit tenacious, but that's no harm. You, you need a bit of a bad streak in the back. But like nobody seems to want to mark him, and he just he spoils his man, and that's ultimately what a back should do. He he doesn't let the other man get on the ball easily, and he travels the ball well, doesn't make mistakes. So, ultimately, he's having a very good season, and I think he's going to continue to to improve. And a lot of people are comparing him to Mark Ray, Mark O'Reilly, who used to be the Summerhill and Mead cornerback. So there is a lot of similarities there, and I think if he can be half or three quarters as good as Mark was and win all hurlings, like it's going to be very enjoyable following his career. Yeah, interesting that uh, like um, David was saying about his versatility and that how he when he came in first he was a bit little bit apprehensive because um, he was afraid that a, a a bad performance would take him out of the team, and sometimes players need that little bit of fear inside them so that they play to their potential, and he's really one of these players that's thriving on that fear of maybe not playing well enough or that somebody else will get in. And that just shows you how much uh, competition that there is in there at the minute. It's absolutely brilliant. Uh, James McEntee, lads, uh, in instead of Gavin McCoy, uh, missed the last two games with injury. Um, Brian, we'll go to you this time. Yeah, James had a very good game. Now, probably slightly didn't attack maybe as much as he'd done in previous games. He stayed back and he minded the house a bit. Um, possibly looking after himself to a degree after being out injured with the hamstring. Yeah. Um I'd say again, like Kildare or Claire, sorry, Claire only scored one seven. You couldn't score him any less than an eight. What yeah. do you reckon, David? No, I I'd go along with that and I think that was an interesting point too. He didn't attack as much as we have seen, but as I, I'd probably go along with too that he, he was minding himself or he possibly wasn't at just a hundred percent um going into the game and he, he probably just did his job as opposed to the more spectacular James McEntee we, we've come accustomed to. And you're giving him an eight as well. Mm, then, yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah. Kieran, like, uh, for somebody who's holding back to be scoring an eight. <laughs> <you know>? yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I, he, still, he still influenced the play quite positively in the attacking third. Like, he just probably didn't break as many tackles that he'd normally do, but he still made three or four key breaks, line breaks, as I say, in other sports. But he... he he still was able to break through, get passes off, kick ball in. And again, he, he's another spoiler in the backs. He, he's tenacious. He doesn't let people get by him easily. And himself and Kyogen have been doing it for so long now where they just move the chains, move the ball up the field. And it's they're just extremely good players to have in your squad because they really push it up the field. We're moving on now, lads, to joint captain and the most consistent player we've had so far. Um, and that's Donald Kyogen. Um, Risp. <laughs> what do we score? What do we score this man this week? Yeah, he's he's unbelievable, isn't he? He's not just the most consistent player this year, but the most consistent player we've had for the last ten years. He's he's unbelievable. Like he, it's the way in which every time he got the ball in the second half, he was fouled as well. Yeah. So so Claire knew how but how he, much he damage has, he, he has. This sidestep right, and he gets this head of steam up, and he gets he gets his momentum going. 
and when he does, he just takes a sidestep and he's so and his pirouettes as well. Did you notice a couple of them on? Just gets Strictly the ball dancing and, yeah, and, and a full, does a full <laughs> three sixty, but he's just so comfortable on the ball and and actually attacking. And the best thing about it is when he gets into attacking positions, he knows himself. He's not a shooter. <laughs> there's there's backs out there, and you'll know them. Yeah. From club yeah. football as well yeah. that they drive you mad when they get into scoring positions they'll they'll have a pot shot he's he's brilliant and he knows exactly when is the time to slip there's, the there's ball a few corner the, forwards in the juniors junior North Mead clubs now they probably shouldn't be shooting either but that's a different <laughs> segment when, when they come in here every week and say I didn't score the weekend well, we'll, but I won we'll, free that doesn't happen too much <laughs> we'll, 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 ju- we'll judge them on championship yeah. lads so we will yeah. but uh, yeah so what score are we giving Donald Kogan that's the question a nine, I think you have to. You have to give him a nine. Yeah, yeah. no well, worries. Yeah. Well deserved. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Nine for Kyogen and like your defense is just uh, phenomenal. Uh, the score, like if you look at their scores over the five games, they've been incredible. They, they've really been mean. That's one of the best things. Like and and they haven't needed like sweepers and everything back there. They're doing man marking jobs and they're just being defenders. And then getting again. And they're actually nice fellas as well. Don't get this mean streak now. It was mean on the field, but they're six mm. lovely men to talk to now, so don't be putting them out there too bad now. The bad boys aren't like that, you know. The best defender Mead <laughs> have ever ever had uh, uh, was Martin O'Connell, and he is without a shadow of a doubt a gentleman. So I would agree with you. And as is, as is I Mick like, Lines. Yeah. Uh, Mick Lines is, yeah, absolutely. But, but, but I think Martin O'Connell was our best ever defender, and he is a gentleman. You want them to turn into an absolute tramp when they cross that white line. No, and, and they all are. They all are. So don't get me wrong. When they're on that field now, they're horrible. See, you should see them at court time, lads. It's another extreme. <laughs> they're lovely on the field, but tramps need to go. No, well, so. <laughs> Shane Gallagher, lads. Um, probably a seven. Just the fact that he got a black card, you probably have to take a mark off him for that. Yeah, and but sure, he got a black card for nothing. Nobody knows what he got a black card he, for. No, he, he still he, got one. He had he had a tricky first half. Now, in fairness to him, he, he <laughs> did. He he was he was exposed a couple of times through no fault of his own, and he was left isolated one on one. And his mad did did kind of make a off him. And the black card was probably just summed up his half. But again, came back on and showed great character. And, and was much improved second half but I would go along with what Brian says I think a 7 is a fair mark he attacked a lot in the second half with uh, Kyogen and interlinked with Kyogen an awful lot um, going forward um, I think the black card just just again it just knocks that mark from an 8 to a 7 I think that's no problem it's, well, it's the only reason he's had two sevens and a 9 so you know again he's way way above average yeah. he's, he's set the bar at an 8 for himself so you know, uh, a really good performance and a black card that nobody seems to know why he got. He didn't even know why he got. But just uh, the ref, well, just assume the ref knew what he was doing. It's yeah, you, never a given. It's he, never a given. You always defend the ref, <laughs> don't you? Union over the, the one thing we can say is the fourth official hasn't a clue because he arrived with 10 minutes to go. Right. It, was, it was actually terrible. He came in and he actually, I, he had the audacity to take over and do the job. When there was a there was a coordinator there doing the job, like an actual intercounty ref, and you had the audacity to come in and start bossing people around after being three quarters of an hour late. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Must have had a lay one in Ennis on yeah, the yeah. Saturday night. Yeah. <laughs> he was delighted the game was postponed as well. Yeah. Lads, we'll move on to midfield. Brian Menton, your other joint captain. Who's going to give me a score for Brian? Um, I think a seven again. Like he got a black card. It, he seemed to have his hand pulled and then he fell on top of the Clare player. But like he still picked mm. up the black card, so for Doc and Shane Gallagher and Mark, down yeah, to seven. Yeah, and I, I, lads, mean, I wouldn't be, anyway. I wouldn't be just you know docking them because of the, they got black cards. I would, I would give him a seven too. But I, in fairness, I thought it was 
the the boys found you know Claire very hot to handle in the first half in midfield. Yeah. Well, mid- Gary Brennan is one of yeah, the top exactly. midfielders in the country, yeah. and Carl O'Connor's an athlete. Like you know, yeah. like he's he's just got such great. Uh, like there's a no, great engine. There's no shame in, in you know. There's in, not in wrong with us ever. No, no. And, and I do think the black card was a little bit harsh as well. The reason yeah. why we're the reason why we're kind of like apprehensive about the seven is because the defense are all after getting eights and nines. So you feel bad giving a seven, but you know when your defenders defended so well, you know that's the reason why they get their scores. Midfield still come out on top. And a seven is not no, a no, bad score. No. Like So, well done to Brian Menton. Shane McAdee, 10 minutes. You can't really score. No, you can't really on long enough to rate. No, we'll no. just put him in for an injured. On and injured. And we have all these. He probably a 10 for the 10 minutes he was there, but we can't do that. So. He probably <laughs> did come off more as a precaution as well. It didn't seem to be anything too serious. Well, we hope it, or we'd hope it isn't. Um, he was replaced by Barry Dardis. So, uh, was it Barry Dardis who came on from? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so Barry Dardis... Um, I know he didn't play midfield, but we're going to mark him um, now for coming in. He played for 60 minutes. Um, Kieran Barry Dardis. He had a, an excellent moment from a, a sideline ball came in and some set play on the wing and they kicked the ball into him on the edge of the square. And he he rose above like something out of the Aussie rules for a great catch. But unfortunately, the mark doesn't count from set play. And we kind of got a bit flustered when he offloaded it. But he just showed some of his skills. Like he, He's an excellent footballer. Just maybe at times he... He just drifts out of the play, maybe off the ball. It's, it's when he's on the ball, everyone is anticipating what he's going to do. It's, it's usually very good. Off the ball, sometimes he might get a bit lost, and <laughs> I'm not sure if he ever played with a uh, Enfield Celtic or somewhere ahead of that. But his soccer skills, the very very end, I thought Phil O'Murtagh was going to go and bait him. He, he had a he had a shot kind of near the end, and he went to do what your man from Swansea did, and he put it five yards wide <laughs> and dribbled oh, yeah. it off. <laughs> I think his GPS was a little bit off. He didn't realise he was maybe as far left of the goals as yeah. he was. He should have went, yeah. went across the goals. Yeah. Been a good Mickey Brennan finish. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, the orchestra no, in the park, you know. In fairness to him, he probably lacked a bit of composure, which is you know gas because the two, two games the king previously that's, that's the, the one thing that so I'm actually happy he had an off day because it didn't cost us whereas if he had an off day in the previous two games we mightn't be sitting near top of the table no. so. <laughs> what score are we going to give him after all that lads for Possibly 60 a minutes 6 maybe close to a 7 yeah I think a 6 like he just still above average and he you know you can't not be happy with that and I suppose he, he's been used to coming in with 20-25 minutes to go or for the second half it was, you know, he was he wasn't expecting to come on with ten minutes of the game gone. Like so, you're going in cold as well. And ju- uh, just something when you when you do say it, like we we played with the strong breeze in the first half, and this this applies to Mickey Newman as well. The two guys were, you know, a, a two man full forward line in the first half, and you know yourself under such a strong wind, it's actually a very tough position to play is is as a full forward or in the full forward line, especially when the lads are trying to pick you out. The ball has to be nigh on perfect. I think when you have a strong breeze like that, the likes of Killian O'Sullivan and Derek Campion would drive a lot more out the field when you're actually trying to adopt a running game and kicking from distance. Mm-hmm. It was tough to get the right ball into the two guys in the first half. In fairness to them, second half, they were much better. Barry got on way more ball, and so did Mickey as well, against the breeze, because they had the measure of the you know of the breeze and the ball coming in was just right, and then they were feeding it off to the kind of guys running on. So that's another point maybe to note. Yeah, yeah I think I think in the first half we were possibly guilty a little bit of force in the play. Mm. You were trying to hit that 40, 50 yard ball. Yeah, in, it's that whole thing of having it, the wind and yeah, you need was, to use the wind. Yeah. And it was probably just carrying a little bit too far then in the breeze and it was very hard to judge. Yeah. Like 
whereas the running game in the second half seemed to suit the players a little bit more. Yeah. And the pop pass inside then. They need to get the fans working up there in Dungani and, uh, and, and practice playing the ball it's in with a week strong. Yeah, it's just like, I don't think you need to spend money on that. Like, they, they train in a wind tunnel every week. <laughs> uh, we're going to move on to Killian O'Sullivan, lads, uh, at wing forward. David? Yeah, it has to be a nine, I'd say. Um, he was... Uh, One of his better games. Yeah, I think he was man of the match. I know the two boys, uh, McGill and, and Kogan, had great games, but I think Killian was the one. Second half, superb. I think three, four points, was it, lads, from, from three, play? Four from three, play, was it? Three. three from play. Yeah, but um, but outstanding. And, and not just that, but, you know, getting on the ball and linking the play from defence to attack. We talk about that every week, but he's just brilliant at doing it. And in fairness to him, you know, criticism of him in previous years was probably his tendency to take the ball into the tackle. I was just about to say... He, he looks a lot <laughs> stronger and, and, you know, way more physical that he can actually get away with that and carry the ball through the tackle. Yeah. And um, If he's going at pace, yeah. he can break a tackle. Yeah. Sometimes if he's slowed up and then goes to get by a lad, it, that's and no player should ever do that. Mm. When they get slowed up, try to take on the man. That's when you need to give and go. So... Lads, he's agreeing with a nine for Killian O'Sullivan. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Very good player. And just a comment on him just at the weekend. He's actually, he's a very positive influence in the squad and a lot of lads look up to him and talk to him a lot. But something has to, his diet is actually unbelievable. He must have eaten, I'd say, the guts of about 10,100 calories on Saturday. <laughs> he had dinner after dinner. He was taking second helpings everything. After the dinner, we had dinner in Limerick on the Saturday night at about half nine and he brought food up to the room with him like... Like he just, you can see from his energy, he must be like Speedy Gonzalez or something. And what so was he having a bag of chips? And <laughs> no, 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 no. See, that's where that's where I'm going wrong. That's right. That's where I'm going wrong all these years. I'm having the same amount of calories to just probably in two dinners. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he was eating. I just it just shows you then Sunday morning. He's such a professional. Like he is the fuel and the food, everything perfect. He can go out there and he can run like a mad joke because he's yeah. he's practiced all week with it. You know, yeah, it's, you need the fuel for that. It's yeah. you do for that. For, and for it's that not energy. Red Bull. It's not Falcon Red Bull. <laughs> and she should be putting in there. <laughs> we move on. Ben Brennan, uh, who we spoke about the week beforehand, um, having had a great game, got injured. Um, we were hoping it was two weeks ago. Sorry, we were hoping that he'd be uh, back in time. Didn't make it. So Ethan Devine came in, lads. He went to midfield for Shane McIntyre. Then after ten minutes. What way are we going to mark him this week? Yeah, Eaton was playing very well in the half hour line for the first 10 minutes, but whatever it was in the positional switch, it just didn't really seem to work for him. I suppose when you're training all the time as a mid, as a wing forward, it can be hard to adapt when you go out to midfield. And you're up against a very good player midfield. Mm-hmm. So at half time, the management made a decision to bring on Adam Flanagan, probably a bit more experience, more battle hardened around the midfield. Um. Probably it was it was it was just to get a midfielder on because you're up yeah. against like two Eaton two very experienced. Probably will develop in time into yeah. a very good midfielder. But when you're twenty and you're coming up against Gary Brennan, who's outstanding and like was player of the series in the international rules a few years ago, like it's a huge step. Will we mark Ethan for his ha- first half performance? I I'd say it probably has to be a six. You know, you know it's probably a little bit harsh, but. At the end of the day, it was as Brian said, true, no fault of his own. He was yeah. the only obvious option we had on the mid in the midfield when Shane McIntyre went off yeah. to to put into midfield, and it was just unfortunate for him that he was the one that I won't say sacrifice, but ha, you know had to go into midfield. Yeah, it just didn't work out on on, on that day. Um, Dara Campion, lads. I think um, Dara he scored one brilliant point off the outside of the right. Maybe has a slight tendency to. 
try the extravagant thing a little bit too often, and ra- especially with the wind in the first half, he was trying things rather than just playing the patient game and keeping the ball and working it into the best position. I'd be inclined to say a seven. Swipe right. Seven. Swipe so right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've been waiting for that one all Love week, it. all week. <laughs> He'll brilliant. never live that down. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, lads, go on to the corner forwards. Then uh, first up is Brian McMahon, very industrious again this week. Yeah, uh, again, probably, you know, I thought struggled a, a wee bit, but but never never has found wanted as regards work rate. and First half struggled a lot, maybe. Second half came out, gotten a lot of ball mm. and was... was the, I suppose the first half was player. difficult in every sense. For everyone. For, for, for everyone, with, yeah. the, with the wind. And, like, he was playing in a role where it was difficult for him. He was ending up back in his full back line more often than not. So it's a tricky one, especially for, like, for a guy who would have played the majority of his football at 13, as an orthodox 13. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it did improve second half got on a bit more ball as well but um, I still think there's a bit more to come from him Brian? Yeah I think you're waiting on Brian McMahon just to the ground to harden you're waiting for the ground to harden that's exactly like he's a he's a greyhound in terms of speed Yeah. and when he hits summer football he could just explode and that's well his legs will have to grow a little bit if he's to turn into a greyhound (laughs) (laughs) But what like, score are we going to give? You're him? just waiting on the day when he, I think when he scores a point or two, you could just see him maybe end up with someday at one four or yeah, something yeah, because yeah, yeah. he his his work rate and everything can't be questioned at the moment. He's doing everything that he can. Uh, he's not playing bad in any way, he, shape, or form. But as we said, once that ground hardens and he can just get those legs moving, we're going to see. I think we're going to see him step up again sure, up another yeah. and year. And he's probably been asked to go out and maybe not be a high scoring corner forward like you look at it and he's not mm-hmm. scoring and you say corner forward not scoring but he's been asked to play a link role Yeah, get him the ball turn take on his man play it around which he's doing and yeah. if you're doing your role what you're asked to do well then like, th- that's all you can do and he's obviously doing that because he came in against Donegal and he hasn't lost his place since yeah. what score will we give him? Kieran seven maybe Ooh. Teetering on the six. Yeah, maybe the six would be probably fair with some of the other scores in that. Right. Team. I I think a six. I'd go with a seven. Six. I'd be thinking six myself. Okay, and well look, Brian McMahon, he's still above average, so he is at six. It's not really I get shafted when it's a two against one. Of course, I've got a. Someone's agreed well, with me. You know, well, even. you know what? <laughs> this is not about you. This is about well, the players. Well, I make everything about me before. <laughs> um, and then we're going to move on to Michael Newman at full forward. Um, David Risman. Yeah, the the photogenic Mickey Newman. Photogenic Mickey Newman. <laughs> um, and like that, we've already spoke about you know how, how much he struggled with with the rest of the guys in the first half, kind of getting the right ball in. But second half, and something that he really came to the fore with against Armagh um, in the second half too was pressure freeze. And at the at the beginning in the second half against that tough breeze, he nailed a couple of savage freeze yeah, from over on the terrace side. Judged the breeze brilliantly, struck them beautifully. And there was another couple where he was even further out and, and was just unlucky, got the distance, just not the accuracy. But uh, second half performance was was much improved to the first. Um, was the link man, you know, with, with, was unlucky not to slip Killian O'Sullivan in for a goal as well, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, no, a, a good, very good second half display for yeah, The first three in the second half, I, I actually immediately looked at the flags thinking mm. did the wind change or something because he absolutely he drilled it. Yeah. Yeah. absolutely drilled it. and I couldn't it's kind of like it doesn't make sense what he just did but just shows you when the the crunch was there he, he scored the freeze that really mattered and so what score would you give him for, for, for that display 
Some maybe seven. Yeah, I like, think seven. You'd, you'd like to see him chipping in at one or an average of one or two points a game from play. That just didn't happen on Saturday. And again, I think that when the ground yeah. hardens up and that we get the summer yeah. weather and the whole lot, you will see Mickey Newman. If you're doing that, you're an eight or a nine. Yeah. I think a seven is a fair score for Sunday. And chipped in with some really vital freezes, yeah. as you said, in the second half when we were playing against He's a very league. cool, calm, calculated figure and he just he holds ball well and gets it drowned. As you said, when the weather improves, that distribution that he brings will be better even again. So. And the pictures might be even better for you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Exactly. His tan will be up and everything. No, well, so. he's, not, he's an actual proper man. None of the sound tan rubbish. Proper, no, but no, proper the sun, man. He's, he's like me with a farmer's tan. He's, yeah. not, he's not like David. He doesn't do tan Thursday. He's, he's, not, a, he's not a soft corner <laughs> and forward. And Tuesday <laughs> and Saturday. <laughs> moving on moving <laughs> on to corner forward, lads. Tomas O'Reilly or Thomas O'Reilly. Um, now, this lad has actually been Mr. Consistent as well in our forward line. So I'm wondering, Kieran, what are you going to score him this week? Uh, yeah, I thought Thomas was brilliant now. And the first few minutes, he came out like a man possessed. It was like he must whoever he was rooming with in in Ennis been burning the ears off him because he was like someone fell mad to go. He was out there. He's just like well, they got out of the cage for the weekend. Jeez, I thought you were going to say something else there. Where <laughs> <laughs> that was going? Oh, he's awful, lads. He's there. But uh, I thought he played very well. He possibly again. He got a few points early on, which was probably what he didn't have in the previous game. So I'd say he's probably a seven going on an eight. It's hard. Brian, Maybe the lads will think better on the score, but I think um, like he really he started like a steam train, and kicked two brilliant points early on, and then as in the second half, well, he wasn't scoring. He was getting on the ball. He was playing it around. He was setting up the score. He was scores. on so much like, ball yeah. in the second half. And in, in his so, own defence. so industrious. And tackling. And, oh, yeah. He turned yeah. over the ball two or three times like, as well. It's not all about scoring for Thomas. He's just very industrious. He works so hard. And I think the previous day, you could have argued, yeah, he missed a few chances. You could have taken him off. But Andy left him on the pitch. And you could see his confidence on Saturday. Sunday was up from that game. And he really played well, and I'd say definitely he's an eight. David? Yeah, absolutely. I'd go along with that, yeah. Well, he's after ruining his consistency. He had five sevens in a row. He gets an eight this week. I don't think he'll win. Uh, absolutely not. No, it's great to see him, um, and especially in a game where we weren't, uh, uh, all cylinders weren't firing in the in the forward line, we'll say. Um, he stood out. Um, as one of the better players uh, the substitutes that came on Adam Flanagan lads uh, he was on for uh, the second half yeah, and did really well um, threw his weight around a little bit around the midfield which was needed against a big physical player midfield and we really improved in that area when he came on so I think an 8 David uh, Risman yeah I, I wouldn't, I'm not so sure he did enough to get an 8 but definitely a 7 um, and then it's down to you, Kieran. You've yeah, got the deciding yeah, vote. Before I before I give me number now, this is meant to be building. Up. Yeah, actually, <laughs> uh, he actually had, it was a funny moment at half time. Myself and Brian were in the tunnel. Uh, a few of the the head honchos had gone down for the tea and the prawn sandwiches, but we we're real hard workers. You know, we stayed out the wind and the rain. Like when we were talking to one of the okay, sewers, Kieran, <laughs> Kieran, it was dry. Don't start over egg. Yeah, yeah, it was that funny. Oh, no, there was no egg. It was prawn sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we were just there getting ready to go back out and. Uh, the steward tried to send Adam Flanagan into the ladies' toilet by mistake, yeah. and he actually he was looking for the dressing room, and he sent him into the ladies' toilet. And Adam walks in and he goes, "I'm looking for the dressing room." <laughs> he just is very kind of the steward didn't know what to make of what he said, but that didn't phase him. And he came out and maybe I think he deserves an eight. 
there you go. Oh. We got there, we got there. <laughs> David, I know you backed me, but... <laughs> David sits back into the chair. <laughs> oh, I'll get you next week, I'll get you next week, don't you? Um, That's for calling us babies last week. <laughs> See, Ir- ironically, he's the man the players. It's about him, it's about him. Right, okay, lads, uh, Graham Riley, the man from St. Colin Kills, um, the impact that he's having as a substitute is is absolutely brilliant and it's I feel it's a catalyst for for me to go on push on and win these games these tight games Keon. he's just he's another top pro like everything is prepared so well for him and he just he takes everything in his stride he just when he's walking around just say the prep room and all that he just he can exemplify his confidence and lads know and they trust him when he comes on he's going to give it give it everything and uh, the football though he just now it's like his impact is just extravagant like he comes on and he's doing things and after he'd done the the first foul maybe David didn't think it wasn't a foul but he he, he got after closed his, his, no, his I, I thought it was a foul but I didn't think it was a yellow card <laughs> yeah, well, we may read the rule book sometimes <laughs> but he, he got nearly <laughs> closed it. Yeah. they don't have one in card no <laughs> they have the, yeah go on but they, yeah. they got nearly decapitated with a clothesline then as well yeah. probably his counterpart should have got a red twice or three times yeah. Yeah, at least a, well uh, maybe even a black card but it was a yellow yeah. card but it just shows the the attention he brings. Soon they come on, like the Clare backs were not not in good place. Like they were worried. What would you mark him for? Possibly, like I don't know if you can give a lad a nine for a short episode, maybe. But he definitely like what he everything he did was positive. Like there's nothing you can you put can. him up on. If, if everything he did was positive, and uh, you know what I mean, like you can only mark him for the length of time he's playing. So if he was perfect in that length of time, no, he was perfect. I said nine. Yellow, well, then nine. Yeah. No, That's, uh, it was a perfect jello though. No, it was a good jello. Your man didn't touch the ball <laughs> for ten Rizman. minutes. An eight, I think. An eight and uh, I, Brian. I go Davy. Davy. Sorry, so, no, see what I did there was I, good, I gave good. him a nine because I knew Dave would go back on me to give him a nine. <laughs> just, actually, just uh, interesting you said that uh, Killian O'Sullivan's interview with Fergal Lynch and Brendan Cummins after the game, he actually referenced that that when Biggie came on, he took attention off the other guys. Yeah, and that's why Killian reckons he, he had such a good second half because. You know, the shackles were nearly released a bit. The lads said, geez, Biggie Riley is on. We have to pay particular attention to him. And the rest of the forwards started to prosper. And he loves playing Clare, doesn't he? He's mm. a very good record yeah. against Clare. Lads, Owen Lynch came on as a sub. Uh, was he on long enough to... No. To no. score? No. Solid, but he probably didn't do enough for a rating like long enough time. No, okay. I think, did we mark Barry Dardis already? We did, yeah. yeah. We did indeed. Um, and the last one was, again, probably too short, but came onto the field. Great to see him coming onto the field. Um, Paul Carnan, um, only on for a couple of minutes, but uh, great to see him getting. Not a positive guy, like he, he doesn't make many if any mistakes, and he he just kind of travels with the ball, very similar to James McAtee, Donald Yogan. So, be interesting to see what the championship halfback line will have some fun picking that. Lads, um, I suppose we're nearly there. Absolutely brilliant. Looking down through them scores, we've got the team scored again. You can see it from here. Obviously, the what we might do is we might put this up at the end of the after the Fermanagh game we'll take a picture of this after the league final uh, uh, yeah even after the league final I've left room for the league final uh-huh. in here so I have um, so maybe after the league final if me hopefully get promoted uh, uh, next weekend uh, we, we'll, we'll maybe tweet out a picture of the scores that we've given uh, for each of the players over the course of, of the season but like looking at it there you, you just you can see the amount of sevens eights and nines they just stand out um, and it just shows you that uh, that the 
the the team have been performing to a really high level all season and we're hoping for more of the same this Sunday in Park Talchum where it's a double header we've got the Mead Ladies taking uh, on Wicklow at 12 o'clock uh, in Park Talchum and that's followed by Mead and Fermanagh the last uh, National Football League game of the year um, uh, in the group stage and hopefully we'll have a league final uh, any other business, lads, um, before we finish up? Um, Mike's guy, I think, on Twitter last week was wondering about the minor panel. Yes. And how many from last year's team are here. There's two from last year's panel. Okay. Um, Killian Hegarty from Dunhamer Ashburn and David Bell from St. Colum Kills. Excellent. And uh, when are, uh, are the minors out in the league around to get the minute? Or? Um, no, they're getting ready for the first round of the Leinster Championship, which will be in Dublin in Parnell Park against Dublin on Tuesday, I think it's the April the 24th, it's either the 23rd or 24th, whichever is the Tuesday. Right, excellent. I can't just remember the date. Kieran, any other business from the county board? No, just the club championship fixtures have been released and people know where they're playing and what games are where, so it'll be interesting now to see like who's going to win the games and I think uh, David's got a great thing coming up with that. It's going to be very interesting here in this in the hub in the pod, picking the winners for these club championships. So, I'd say we put, we should probably have our own internal little bet. But oh, we will. We'll, we'll definitely we'll definitely do that, and we'll bring it to the uh, we'll bring it to the masses as well. Yeah. People who listen to the podcast, and we'll let them know which of the four of us knows the most about Gaelic uh, football. Me, David. Any other business before we before we finish up? Yeah, I'll just bring that up. Uh, so you know, in association with Carton GFC. Um, we're introducing the Mead Championship prediction forecast. So for senior, intermediate and junior A, now unfortunately for the junior A, it's just the first team games because the second team games are open to you know being switched and changed and it'll be hard to put points. We, we, we operate a point system. So it'll be hard to put points in second team games because yeah. it's hard knowing for them just from B League and what teams they'll have. So, so you're trying to fix it so that you know exactly what the results are going. But <laughs> well, no, basically... You hate not to know what way the results are going to go. We, we, have, it, we have it online. Um, so for anyone who's looking to do it, feel free to log on and test your skill. It's megapredictions.com um, or you can go onto the Cortown Facebook page and you'll see it there. You basically go in, fill out your form with, it, with each. It'll give you... A score on how if you get every result right your maximum score there's good prize money up for grabs you have what do you have you have still three weeks to do it yeah um and that look at possibly maybe not just here but anyone looking to get involved with us can possibly we could do one for um for the We Are Mead podcast. Yes, absolutely, definitely. Anyone who's looking to, to take part, yeah. Yeah, no problem at all. So lads, um before we finish up, what we're gonna do is we're gonna leave our uh, listeners and the Mead supporters with a call to action from the one and only Andy McIntyre calling for all the supporters to make their way to Park Tolchin on Sunday for the Fermanagh game. And remember, we are Mead. Why? Matters more. Hello, everyone. Just, uh, I'd like to encourage everybody to come out and support the team next week. Uh, it's very important to us, the management, and very important to the players. They really got uh, great support from you guys in the last uh, number of games and uh, hopefully it'll be a day to celebrate with, with uh, friends and family alike. So I really would like to see as many people as possible in, uh, in Park Talton next week.